Book Three, Canto Two of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto Two, the Red Cross Knight to Britomart describeth Artegall, the wondrous mirror by which she in love with him did fall. Here have I cause in men just blame to find that in their proper praise to partial be, and not indifferent to womankind to whom no share in arms and chivalry they do impart, ne make in memory of their brave jests and prowess martial. Scarce do they spare to one or two or three room in their writs, yet the same writing small does all their deeds deface and dims their glories all. But by record of antique times I find that women want in wars to bear most sway, and to all great exploits themselves inclined, of which they still the girland bore away till envious men, fearing their rules decay, gan coin strange laws to curb their liberty. Yet since their warlike arms have laid away, they have excelled in arts and policy, that now we foolish men that praise gin eked and by. Of warlike puissance in ages spent, be thou, fair Britomart, whose praise I write. But of all wisdom be thou precedent, O sovereign queen, whose praise I would indite. Indite I would as duty doth excite, but ah, my rhymes too rude and rugged are, when in so high an object they do light, and striving fit to make, I fear do mar. Thyself thy praises tell, and make them knowing far. She, travelling with Guyon, by the way of sundry things fair purpose gan to find, to bridge their journey long and lingering day mongst which it fell into that fairy's mind to ask this Briton maid what uncouth wind brought her into those parts, and what in quest made her dissemble her disguised kind. Fair lady, she him seemed, like lady dressed, but fairest knight alive when armed was her breast. Thereat she sighing softly had no power to speak a while, nor ready answer make, but with heart-thrilling throbs and bitter stour, as if she had a fever fit, did quake and every dainty limb with horror shake, and ever and anon the rosy red flashed through her face, as it had been a flake of lightning through bright heaven fulminate. At last the passion passed, she thus him answered, Fair sir, I let you weet that from the hour I taken was from nurse's tender pap, I have been trained up in warlike stour to toss and spear and shield, and to affrap the warlike rider to his most mishap. Sithence I loathed have my life to lead as ladies want in pleasure's wanton lap, to finger the fine needle and nice thread. Me lever were, with point of foeman's spear be dead. All my delight on deeds of arms is set, to hunt out perils and adventures hard, by sea, by land, where so they may be met, only for honor and for high regard, without respect of riches or reward. For such intent into these parts I came, without an compass or without an card, far from my native soil, that is by name the greater Britain, here to seek for praise and fame. Fame blazed hath that here in Fairyland do many famous knights and ladies won, and many strange adventures to be fond, of which great worth and worship may be won, which I to prove this voyage have begun. But mote I weet of you, right courteous knight, tidings of one that hath unto me done late foul dishonor and reproachful spite, the which I seek to wreak, and Artigall he hight, 
the word gone out she back again would call as her repenting so to have missaid but that he had uptaking ere the fall her shortly answered fair martial maid certes he misadvised been to upbraid a gentle knight with so unknightly blame for wit you well of all that ever played at tilt or tourney or like warlike game the noble artegall hath ever borne the name for thee great wonder were it if such shame should ever enter in his bounteous thought or ever do that most deserving blame the noble courage never weaneth aught that may unworthy of itself be thought therefore fair damsel be ye well aware lest that too far ye have your sorrow sought you and your country both i wish welfare and honor both for each of other worthy are the royal maid walks inly wondrous glad to hear her love so highly magnified and joyed that ever she affixed had her heart on night so goodly glorified however finely she had feigned to hide the loving mother that nine months did bear in the dear closet of her painful side her tender babe it seeing safe appear doth not so much rejoice as she rejoiced there but to occasion him to further talk to feed her humor with his pleasing style her list in strifeful terms with him to balk and thus replied however sir ye file your courteous tongue his praises to compile it ill beseems a knight of gentle sort such as ye him have boasted to beguile a simple maid and work so heinous tort in shame of knighthood as i largely can report let be therefore my vengeance to dissuade and read where i that fatal false may find ah but if reason fair might you persuade to slake your wrath and mollify your mind said he perhaps you should it better find for hardy thing it is to wean by might that man to hard conditions to bind or ever hope to match in equal fight whose prowess paragon saw never living white nay soothlich is it easy for to read where now on earth or how he may be found for he ne wanneth in one certain stead but restless walketh all the world around a doing things that to his fame redound defending ladies cause and orphans right whereso he hears that any doth confound them comfortless through tyranny or might so is his sovereign honor raised to heaven's height his feeling words her feeble sense much pleased and softly sunk into her molten heart heart that his inly hurt is greatly eased with hope of thing that may allege his smart for pleasing words are like to magic art that doth the charmed snake in slumber lay such secret ease felt gentle Britomart, yet list the same of force with feigned gainsay so discord oft in music makes the sweeter lay and said sir knight these idle terms forbear and sith it is uneath to find his haunt tell me some marks by which he may appear if chance i him encounter paravant for purdy one shall other slay or daunt what shape what shield what arms what steed what stead and whatso else his person most may vaunt all which the red cross knight to point a red and him in every part before her fashioned yet him in every part before she knew however lister now her knowledge fain sith him whilom in britain she did view to her revealed in a mirror plain whereof did grow her first engrafted pain whose root and stalk so bitter yet did taste 
that but the fruit more sweetness did contain her wretched days in dolor she mote waste and yield the prey of love to loathsome death at last by strange occasion she did him behold and much more strangely gan to love his sight as it in books hath written been of old in dehubarth that now south wales is height what time king ryance reigned and dealed right the great magician merlin had devised with his deep science and hell dreaded might a looking-glass right wondrously aguised whose virtues through the wide world soon were solemnized it virtue had to show in perfect sight whatever thing was in the world contained betwixt the lowest earth and heaven's height so that it to the looker appertained whatever foe had wrought or friend had feigned therein discovered was may aught mote pass may aught in secret from the same remained for thee it round and hollow shaped was like to the world itself and seemed a world of glass who wonders not that reads so wondrous work but who does wonder that has read the tower wherein the egyptian pharaoh long did lurk from all men's view that none might her discour yet she might all men view out of her bower great ptolemy it for his lemon's sake builded all of glass by magic power and also it impregnable did make yet when his love was false he with a piece it break such was the glassy globe that merlin made and gave unto king ryance for his guard that never foes his kingdom might invade but he it knew at home before he hard tidings thereof and so them still debarred it was a famous present for a prince and worthy work of infinite reward that treasons could betray and foes convince happy this realm had it remained ever since one day it fortuned fair Britomart into her father's closet to repair, for nothing he from her reserved apart, being his only daughter and his heir, where, when she had espied that mirror fair, herself a while therein she viewed in vain, though her avising of the virtues rare which thereof spoken were, she gan again her to bethink of that mote to herself pertain but as it falleth in the gentlest hearts imperious love hath highest set his throne and tyrannizeth in the bitter smarts of them that to him buxom are and prone so thought this maid as maidens used to done whom fortune for her husband would allot not that she lusted after any one for she was pure from blame of sinful blot yet wist her life at last must link in that same knot eftsoons there was presented to her eye a comely knight all armed in complete wise through whose bright ventail lifted up on high his manly face that did his foes agrise and friends to terms of gentle truce and ties looked forth as phoebus face out of the east betwixt two shady mountains doth arise portly his person was and much increased through his heroic grace and honourable jest his crest was covered with a couchant hound, and all his armor seemed of antique mould, but wondrous massy and assured sound, and round about if fretted all with gold, in which there written was, with ciphers old, Achilles' arms, which Artegall did win. And on his shield, enveloped sevenfold, he bore a crowned little ermeline that decked the azure field with her fair poldered skin. The damsel well did view his personage, and liked well, ne further fastened not but went her way 
near her unguilty age did wean unwares that her unlucky lot lay hidden in the bottom of the pot of hurt and wist most danger doth redound but the false archer which that arrow shot so slyly that she did not feel the wound did smile full smoothly at her wheatless woeful stound thenceforth the feather in her lofty crest ruffed of love gan lowly to avail and her proud portents and her princely jest with which she erst triumphed now did quail sad solemn sour and full of fancies frail she walks yet wist she neither how nor why she wist not silly maid what she did ail she wist she was not well at ease perdy yet thought it was not love but some melancholy so soon as night had with her pallid hue defaced the beauty of the shining sky and reft for men the world's desired view she with her nurse adown to sleep did lie but sleep full far away from her did fly instead thereof sad sighs and sorrows deep kept watch and ward about her warily that not she did but wail and often steep her dainty couch with tears which closely she did weep and if that any drop of slumbering rest did chance to still into her weary sprite when feeble nature felt herself oppressed straightway with dreams and with fantastic sight of dreadful things the same was put to flight that oft out of her bed she did a start as one with view of ghastly fiends affright though gan she to renew her former smart and think of that fair visage written in her heart one night when she was tossed with such unrest her aged nurse whose name was glouche hight feeling her leap out of her loathed nest betwixt her feeble arms her quickly kite and down again in her warm bed her dight ah my dear daughter ah my dearest dread what uncouth fit said she what evil plight hath thee oppressed and with sad dreary head changed thy lively cheer and living made thee dead for not of naught these sudden ghastly fears all night afflict thy natural repose and all the day when as thine equal peers their fit disports with fair delight do chose thou in dull corners dost thyself enclose ne tastest princes pleasures ne dost spread abroad thy fresh youth's fairest flower but lose both leaf and fruit both too untimely shed as one in wilful bale for ever buried the time that mortal men their weary cares do lay away and all wild beasts do rest and every river eke his course forbears then doth this wicked evil thee infest and rive with thousand throbs thy thrilled breast like an huge etna of deep engulfed grief sorrow is heaped in thy hollow chest whenceforth it breaks in sighs and anguish rife as smoke and sulphur mingled with confused strife ay me how much i fear lest love it be but if that love it be as sure i read by knowing signs and passions which i see be it worthy of thy race and royal seed then i avow by this most sacred head of my dear foster child to ease thy grief and win thy will therefore away do dread for death nor danger from thy due relief shall need a bar tell me therefore my leafest leaf so having said her twixt her armes twain she straightly strained and collared tenderly and every trembling joint and every vein she softly felt and rubbed busily to do the frozen cold away to fly and her fair dewy eyes with kisses dear she oft did bathe and oft again did dry 
and ever her importuned not to fear to let the secret of her heart to her appear. The damsel paused, and then thus fearfully, Ah, oh, nurse, what needeth thee to eke my pain? Is not enough that I alone do die, but it must doubled be with death of twain? For not for me but death there doth remain. O oh, daughter dear, said she, despair no whit, for never sore but might a salve obtain. That blinded God which hath thee blindly smit, another arrow hath your lover's heart to hit. But mine is not, quoth she, like others, wound, for which no reason can find remedy. Was never such but mote the like be found, said she, and though no reason may apply salve to your sore, yet love can higher sty than reason's reach, and oft hath wonders done. But neither God of love nor God of sky can do, said she, that which cannot be done. Things oft impossible, quoth she, seem ere begun. These idle words, said she, do not assuage my stubborn smart, but more annoyance breed, for no, no usual fire, no usual rage it is, O nurse, which on my life doth feed, and sucks the blood which from my heart doth bleed. But since thy faithful zeal lets me not hide my crime, if crime it be, I will it read. Nor prince, nor peer it is, whose love hath gried my feeble breast of late, and launched this wound wide, nor man it is, nor other living white, for then some hope I might unto me draw, but only shade and semblant of a knight, whose shape or person yet I never saw, hath me subjected to love's cruel law. The same one day as me misfortune led I in my father's wondrous mirror saw, and, pleased with that seeming goodly head, unwares the hidden hook with bait I swallow it. Sithence it hath infixed faster hold within my bleeding bowels, and so sore now rankleth in this same frail fleshly mould, that all mine entrails flow with poisonous gore, and dulcer groweth daily more and more. Ne can my running sore find remedy, other than my hard fortune to deplore, and languish as the leaf fallen from the tree, till death make one end of my days and misery. Daughter, said she, what need ye be dismayed, or why make ye such monster of your mind? Of much more uncouth thing I was afraid, a filthy lust contrary unto kind. But this affection nothing strange I find, for who with reason can you a reprove to love the semblant pleasing most your mind, and yield your heart whence you cannot remove? No guilt in you, but in the tyranny of love. Not so the Arabian myrrh did set her mind, nor so did Biblis spend her pining heart, but loved their native flesh against all kind, and to their purpose used wicked art, yet played Pacifi a more monstrous part that loved a bull, and learned a beast to be. Such shameful lusts, who loathes not, which depart from course of nature and of modesty, sweet love such lewdness bans from his fair company. But thine, my dear, well fare thy heart, my dear, though strange beginning had, yet fixed is on one that worthy may perhaps appear, and certes seems bestow it not amiss. Joy thereof have thou, and eternal bliss. With that, upleaning on her elbow weak, her alablaster breast she soft did kiss, which all that while she felt to pant and quake as it an earthquake were. At last she thus bespake.
Beldam, your words do work me little ease, for though my love be not so lewdly bent as those ye blame, yet may it not appease my raging smart, nay aught my flame relent, but rather doth my helpless grief augment. For they, however shameful and unkind, yet did possess their horrible intent. Short end of sorrows they thereby did find. So was their fortune good, though wicked were their mind. But wicked fortune mine, though mind be good, can have no end nor hope of my desire, but feed on shadows whilst I die for food, and like a shadow wax, whilst with entire affection I do languish and expire. I fonder than Sophisus, foolish child, who, having viewed in a fountain sheer his face, was with the love thereof beguiled. I, fonder, love a shade, the body far exiled. Not like, quoth she, for that same wretched boy was of himself the idle paramour, both love and lover, without hope of joy, for which he faded to a watery flower. But better fortune thine, and better hour, which loves the shadow of a warlike knight. No shadow but a body hath in power, that body wheresoever that it like may learned be by ciphers or by magic might. But if thou may with reason yet repress the growing evil, ere its strength have gotten thee abandoned wholly to possess, against it strongly strive and yield thee not till thou in open field a down be smot but if the passion maester thy frail might so that needs love or death must be thy lot then i avow to thee by wrong or right to compass thy desire and find that loved knight her cheerful words much cheered the feeble sprite of the sick virgin that her down she laid in her warm bed to sleep if that she might and the old woman carefully displayed the clothes about her round with busy aid, so that at last a little creeping sleep surprised her sense. She therewith well appaid, the drunken lamp down in the oil did steep, and set her by to watch, and set her by to weep. Early the morrow next, before that day his joyous face did to the world reveal, they both uprose and took their ready way unto the church, their prayers to appeal with great devotion and with little zeal for the fair damsel from the holy hearse her lovesick heart to other thoughts did steal and that old dame said many an idle verse out of her daughter's heart fond fancies to reverse returned home the royal infant fell into her former fit for why no power nor guidance of herself in her did dwell but they did nurse her calling to her bower had gathered rue and savin and the flower of camphora and calamint and dill, all which she in a earthen pot did pour, and to the brim with coltwood did it fill, and many drops of milk and blood through it did spill. Then, taking thrice three hairs from off her head, them trebly braided in a threefold lace, and round about the pot's mouth bound the thread, and after having whispered a space certain sad words with hollow voice and bass, she to the virgin said, thrice said she it, Come, daughter, come, come, spit upon my face, Spit thrice upon me, thrice upon me spit, The uneven number for this business is most fit. That said, her roundabout she from her turned, She turned her contrary to the sun, Thrice she her turned contrary, And returned all contrary, For she the right did shun, And ever what she did was straight undone. 
so thought she to undo her daughter's love but love that is in gentle breast begun no idle charm so lightly may remove that well can witness who by trial it does prove ne aught it mote the noble maid avail ne slake the fury of her cruel flame but that she still did waste and still did wail that through long languor and heart-burning brame she shortly like a pined ghost became which long hath waited by the stygian strong that when old glouchy saw for fear lest blame of her miscarriage should in her be fond she wist not how to mend nor how it to withstand end book three canto two recording by thomas copeland